Thank you for checking out the Media Marketing Podcast, a place where you can learn all things media and marketing related. Don't miss a beat in boosting your business and your brand. In each episode, you'll gain valuable insights, tools, and strategies to apply to your marketing efforts. And now your host, Brian Cargill. Okay, we are live. All right. I'm going to read the introduction for Emma. Emma didn't start out in tech. She was a strategist for global consumer brands. Her job was to help products make an emotional connection with customers. Then she fell into B2B and met her first tech client. She was shocked at how cold and technical their marketing was, how it sounded just like everyone else. So I helped them differentiate with a message that made their disruptive technology easy to understand and connected to their deeper why. In the process, she found her own why to help visionary startups tell their story so important technology gains so important technology gains traction to help make our world a better place. Sorry, I stumbled there a little bit. She <laughs> works with visionary founder CEOs of tech or tech-enabled products and kick-ass marketers. She offers strategic messaging development that will simplify your complex product, differentiate your brand, and convey genuine value to your prospects in just six weeks. Her meaningful message approach is proven to resonate with your target audience and differentiate your company. The secret sauce, blending her experience in B2B with magic from consumer branding, conversion, copywriting, and human psychology. That is awesome. Thanks, Emma, for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, Brian. It's awesome to be here. I'm excited to talk with you. Definitely. Well, let's unpack some of that stuff I just went through in the introduction. Uh, it sounds like, you know, congrats on that first client. I know what that feels like. And, you know, you're in the tech space and that is a, a space all in of itself. Is there anything, do you want to go any further in the backstory beyond kind of what the intro says? Um, just kind of uh, build on building on that story. Um, so yeah, just to give a little bit of context, cause, uh, it's probably a lot hearing all, <laughs> all of, uh, that story there. So yeah, I started out in, um, consumer branding, like, like you mentioned, and I worked with, um, big consumer brands in the UK and it was all about trying to get, um, customers to connect with one product versus another on a, on a shelf, on a grocery store shelf. And that's really competitive space. And, you know, how do you get someone to choose one similar product next to another? And what I learned and, and what I did at the time was, you know, as you said, helping people connect, um, feel something for a brand to connect the dots between a product and the customer's aspirations. And I really enjoyed doing that. And, and as you mentioned, I eventually fell into B2B uh, marketing. I accepted a job uh, back in the States to be the creative director of a B2B agency. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't even really know the difference between <laughs> B2B and consumer. I was so consumer and I thought, well, how different can it be? It's just like people in businesses versus just like a, a, you know, a consumer. And my first client was an enterprise software company. And yeah, it's really different convincing someone to spend millions of dollars in software for your company versus <laughs> buying a pack of gum or some shampoo. And uh, it was a shocking change for me at first. But what really freaked me out was all the messaging, all the, the websites of, of these software companies. I didn't understand anything that was on these. It was like it was written in a different language. And I remember thinking, okay, I might be in over my head, 
And these B2B customers are like geniuses. I can't believe they understand all this stuff because I didn't. And I just assumed it's because I'm not a B2B customer. And then of course I quickly found out talking to the CMO of this company that he's like, no, we, we don't really know our story either. We have a really hard time talking about ourselves. We don't know how to talk about who we are as a company. We can't connect that back to the product that we sell. In fact, our salespeople don't even really understand what our product is. So they have a hard time selling it on the phone. You know, so we need, we need help with this stuff. And I said, well, I think I can help. Uh, I will just run you through the process I was used to doing with, you know, consumer brands and, and made some changes. But long story short, uh, we really dug into their customer and helped them understand, you know, who they were speaking to and how to make their software meaningful in helping them reach their goals um, in their jobs. And it, it changed everything for that company with their marketing and sales. And that's what really kind of inspired me because I started looking around at all of these other technology companies and startups who are doing incredible things, are creating you know, insane technology that's just way ahead of the curve, moving the whole world forward. And yet they're often technical people um, who really struggle to go beyond just talking about the features, like it's a platform with machine learning or it's got AI. They struggle to go beyond that and really talk about the vision and the value. And that can hold you back. So I got really inspired to help more companies um, do that, connect with people and kind of translate these insane new technologies into something you know, regular people can understand. Wow. That's pretty awesome. I, yeah, thank you. Kind of bringing us from, you know, your previous experience back to, you know, up to where we are today. And so, yeah, you, you have kind of a tall order there of, you know, taking a, a company that, you know, it's, it's crazy that as an organization, you know what you're doing day to day. Like obviously they've been around for, you know, all these companies have been around for a while, but they still aren't able to articulate it very effectively. And you're able to take all of this information from an outside point of view and, and disseminate it down to like the, the, the core foundation of who they are. Uh, and so you kind of help with their messaging and their branding all across the board. And, and so with that company uh, that needed you know, new scripts for how they talk about it on the phone with the sales reps, um, that's just kind of one component of the many things that you're able to do for businesses. Yeah, it depends where the company is at. So that company, and that was actually before I launched my own consultancy. So I was working with another agency. That was actually a public company, which is crazy. They'd already gone public. So they were huge and they had a, a large um, force. And so I was largely helping with the marketing team. Uh, and then some of that trickled down, that high level messaging trickled down into sales messaging. But um, so for larger companies, yeah, what I do is I will do company messaging. So brand level, you know, who are we? Why do we exist? What is our stake in the ground? What do we stand for? And then I will bring it down to product messaging. So how do we specifically talk about the thing that we sell? And that marketers will use that for their campaigns to make sure that everything's consistent, that you're telling the same story, you're not confusing people by saying different stuff in every marketing piece. And it will also go into high level sales messaging. So things that salespeople would incorporate into their outreach and in their pitch decks and, and things like that. So um, yeah, it kind of depends on the size of the company. I, I work with early stage folks too. And uh, there it's, it's mainly website and sales deck, right? That's kind of what they're focused on, getting that message right to kind of start gaining traction. Yeah, and that's so 
great that you're able to start work with those startups at the early stages. Cause yeah, like that company that's already gone public now they have to, I'm, I'm imagining they're quite a big organization and having to rebrand or change all that messaging. It's, you know, it's cost intensive. So the earlier you can get everything you know dialed in, uh, you can save yourself time and money down the road. Right. Absolutely. I, I can't stress it enough. I, I have a program where I do coach early stage founders and entrepreneurs in kind of getting their story, getting their positioning right, because it is so important. It's not, it's not, even though you can invest tons of money in this with an agency, it's not something you should wait until you're bigger. It's not like, oh, when we're bigger, we'll figure out our story because your story is actually actually your business strategy. <clears throat> it's an articulation of what your strategy is. It's knowing who your customer is. It's knowing the value you can provide them and knowing the problems that you solve. And if you haven't really figured that stuff out, you kind of don't have a rock solid business yet. You may like intuit, like I, I sense this is kind of what I'm doing for people. <laughs> but if you don't like know and can communicate that, it's going to hold back your growth as a business, especially in the early stages when you can't just dump tons of money into, you know, advertising and, and um, just massive funnels and just hoping to convert a small amount of them. Yeah. So critical in the and then, yeah, like you were saying earlier, having conflicting messaging across the board because nothing's unified. You know, I'm, you know, I would come from the design and video world. So it's like having a style guide is great. Um, you know, that's all part of kind of the brand but you're also much deeper than that which is also the you know taking the concept of the business as a whole and understanding um yeah their their entire brand story which is beyond just the colors and fonts but really being able to articulate you know authentically who they are uh, and then you you have quite the inter like the the task with the technology space um which is uh growing quite rapidly uh, software changes all the time. So for a lot of your clients, you know, what worked, what software worked, you know, three, five years ago might not be what they're doing, you know, five, 10 years from now. Um, and so, yeah, even, even more important for what you're doing, where you're able to kind of just help them identify who they are. So as they make those transitions, it still stays in alignment, right? With the core yeah. foundation. So I, th I believe that your story, you know, it's your strategy and it's also your North star as a company. It's, what kind of keeps you on the, on the same path? And, and it actually helps clarify decisions, growth decisions, product development, roadmap, things like that. Um, so one of the first startups I ever worked with, and this was actually right before I, I launched my consultancy, and these were the guys that really kind of inspired me to, to create the business that I have today. At the time, they, they were like 20-year-old guys, 20, 21, 20, yeah, really ridiculously young. And they were in Johns Hopkins and as part of their, um, I guess their last project, they were kind of launching this company. And I remember we did a, a workshop with them at the agency um, to help them with just their basic story because they had just closed friends and family round of funding and they were gonna start looking for angel investors and they needed help. And they came in and they said, um, oh, we're offering a really great cloud-based storage um, solution for digital, for pathology labs. So when people send stuff to blood work in the labs, they're gonna help with like the digitized images. And I was like, okay, so let's, let's talk more about this because that's what they were talking about. We talked about you know, why they were doing this and what it would actually enable the world to do. And, and what we found out that the real story wasn't about 
data storage or, or machine learning that their platform had, which is all very cool stuff, but what does that even mean? The real story was they had this vision for how pathology, pathology would change in the future, how diagnoses would happen faster, and eventually how we would change the way we detect cancer. So their story was really about changing the way the world will be detecting cancer. But you know they weren't able to kind of go there at first. They were kind of stuck on, on the platform. But once we got clear on that story, they have stuck to, I mean, that has been their story since day one. And the product has changed and evolved and there's new releases and the company has grown. They're now past series A. They've been going for like five years now. They're doing really well. Um, but their story has always been the same. And they say that, you know, like you helped us with our story. It's been the same since day one, even though the product has changed and it's really helped us as a company kind of keep our focus and our vision. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And then, so you, so you sat down with them and kind of interviewed the, the CEO and interviewed some different people within the organization and found that North Star. You found kind of a, a similar thread along all those conversations that was leading towards the main, that main messaging. Yeah, so what we actually did was we were just in a room with a whiteboard for about three hours, I think, three or four hours. And it was all of them. It was their, you know, their CTO, the CEO, a board advisor. I think there was about four or five of them. And I just led them through exercises. So I have a bunch of exercises that I do to help people think through these things to bring your story uh, to life. So one of my favorite exercises is, um, I can call it bad guys and superheroes. So if um, you know your company is 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 the hero, you know you're you can vanquish evil. Uh, you know who is the main villain that you're up against, right? So sometimes it's either who's the if who's your customer's villain that you can defeat for them, or you know who's the bad guy. And it's a way to kind of um, put a face on conflict and challenges and problems. So it helps you explore what are we actually doing here. Um, so, you know, I ran them through a bunch of exercises. We have conversations just to really get under the hood of, okay, you have a feature, does this, why is that important? Why is that important? Why is that important? You just keep pushing and pushing until you kind of go, yeah, that's why, that's why it's important. And more often than not, the answer we get to is kind of that first thing the founder said they wanted to do when they came up with the idea of the company. And that's, that's the cool thing. It's almost like, yeah, that's what we said in the beginning we were going to do. Yeah. It's almost but, yeah. like they went, they went along this journey and kind of forgot. Yeah, the, we all do. We all yeah. do because it gets like really complicated to launch a business and run it. There's all these other things you get caught up in the day to day and you just kind of, you know, you lose that story a lot of times. So it's nice. I often help people just come back to that original story and have confidence in it. A big thank you to our sponsors over at songtub.com. That's right, song or music and a tub, like a bath, but more fun to say, tub, tub. Anyway, you can check out Songtub's website for any of your music needs. In fact, the song playing in the background right now is from Songtub. So why pick them over anyone else? Well, they curate the music. And I know the guys, so that means I know that they're selecting great music for your project. A lot of other companies will brag about how many songs they have, maybe 100,000, 200,000, maybe even a million. But 
honestly, I don't have time for that. I don't have the time to just sit down and go next, 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 a song, not so great, you know, trying to figure out where the best music is. Songtub.com, great place to get your music. And now I'm excited to offer you the first month for free if you go to songtub.com slash pro, P-R-O, and we have a promo code for you. Yes, that's right. My name, your host, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, and that will give you your first month free to have access to a huge music library that you can use towards your next video project, podcast, or any of your general audio needs. Anyway, back to the show. Do you have other stories or kind of inspirations for this uh, process? Like um, any classics that people, that you kind of tell to get people in the mindset? Or are you thinking just kind of story in the back of your mind and then just listening to what the, the folks at the organization have to say? Because I've, I've seen it done a couple different ways where people will use example companies. They're like, oh, we want to be like Amazon or we want to be like Apple. Yeah. yeah. So I do have a couple exercises which I can share um, that's kind of related to that. So I often when I do a brand workshop and I give people homework. So beforehand I say, come and come ready to talk about a brand that you love, that you really admire. It can be any industry. It could be a personal brand. You know, it could be anything, but come and be prepared to talk about them. And then on the day of the workshop, we get in small groups and we share, okay, share your brand, explain why, what is it that you love about them? You know, what makes them great? And there are ones that always come up. Patagonia always comes up. Patagonia, you know, Nike, like the big ones always come up. And yep. <laughs> people love them because they're purpose-driven, they're authentic, you know, they, whatever, they've got a good mission. So people will write down bullet points what they think about them. And then I say, okay, now imagine that that brand has suddenly acquired your company, it's taken it. What changes would they make? You know, what, what would they put into place? How might they do things differently? And that's a really easy way for people to start thinking about where their brand could go, what, you know, how they could be more like elevate their brands and just by kind of using that, that construct. So that's a, a really neat thing that you can do to kind of brainstorm about what your brand could do, how you could turn the dial up on certain things, um, which, which, is, which is pretty cool. So that's kind of like a, a favorite. <laughs> yeah, I like that kind of like, yeah, brain exercise, you know, thinking, you know, beyond just, yeah, the day to day and yeah, what, what, if, that what if scenario. Um, yeah, yeah there's another, there's another brand that I really like. Um, and so a lot of times, yeah, Apple comes up. I mean, the big companies will always come up. People always want to emulate those big companies, but there's some really interesting smaller companies too who are great examples of brand. There's one that I always talk about. They're called, um, they're Australian. They're called Vino Mofo. And they are like a wine subscription company in Australia. They've been around for a while. And they got very, they got very successful. I believe the founders sold the company and then they didn't like what was happening to the company. So they bought it back. I think it was something like that. But it's a really cool brand. Um, the, it's got like a very, almost like an Australian vibe, very fun, very kind of tongue in cheek, just like having a good time. Yeah. Let and, me see if I can, I can pull up probably yeah. a screenshot for the, for the audience. Oh yeah. 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 Yes. But, yeah. So yes. Vino Mofo. Very cool. So I think they've recently rebranded. Um, like, well, not recently, but I haven't checked in on them for probably a year, but this is, they definitely up-leveled, um, their 
side. This looks really good. But so <laughs> their brand is really fun and cool. And a lot of people have said like, oh, your brand's amazing. It's so strategic how you've created this personality and it resonates so well. And the founders were like, this was just us. Like it started with them as founders. They were like, we think wine is cool and delicious. We don't like wine snobbery. We don't like expensive like wine bores. We think it should be fun. You should enjoy it with your friends. You should try different things. So they made this wine, you know, this community, this subscription club. And it was all about just like being fun and like rock and roll about wine and who cares. And that was their personality. And so they infused that into the site from day one. And it grew and people liked it because there are people who resonated with their point of view. And so the brand grew and then eventually, you know, they, um, they brought in professionals to bring that brand identity into like a more sophisticated look and feel, but it started with the founders and just them being how they were being true to their vision. And it's just funny because people are like, Oh, great, you know, great brand. And they're like, we were just being us. So I think, that's something I say to a lot of people, especially if you're a smaller business and, and you are unique, you know, you're a little different. You yeah. got to own that stuff because that's what stands out. And that's, what's going to attract people who are in line with how you think and how you see the world and you got to help them see you. So you have to stick your neck out there and, and be you and, and that will help help you stand out. Yeah. I think I, I mean, that's great advice. It's, I mean, it's always, yeah, making sure that your like personality is, is shining through, which is like, yeah, it's so common sense. Like just be yourself. Everyone always says that, but for some reason, like, you know, we see it, you know, on the playground and then we also see it in business. Like people have a hard time just, you know, trying to kind of be authentic. And I think what's also throwing another wrench in all of this or an extra element is like social media. So now you have brands that see what other brands are doing and then you're like, well, that's working for them. They're having success. So can we emulate that to a degree? And then it sometimes falls flat, right? Absolutely. I, so there's a lot of things I'm really interested in kind of like the psychological aspect behind how we show up as brands, especially smaller companies. I think larger companies, it's different about brand decisions and it's, that's a whole different conversation and strategy. And, but when it comes to smaller companies um, and people being afraid to kind of put yourself out there or show your personality or say something a little bit edgy and I think it's because one, you know, when you're writing for a business, you know, this is part of you that thinks, I always say it's like you're putting your serious writer hat on or like you feel like you have to put your serious hat on because you want to come across as competent, as a professional, you know, you, you, you want that first. And so that usually puts us into like serious mode or, you know, let's just do this by the books and let's say what people, other people say so that, you know, we seem legit. I think that is kind of one headspace that a lot of people are in, especially in the beginning. You know, you just think like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. So let me just kind of do the, the status quo, you know, and then eventually you get more comfortable and in what you're offering and what you're doing and celebrating that you are different and you get bolder with kind of putting it out there. But in the beginning, I think you can just like default to serious, you know? Yeah, kind of wanting everything to be polished or glossed over. Yeah, there's this big movement, I feel like, of authenticity. You know, I think I want to say, you know, moving, you know, 
probably here in the last you know five to ten years it's like having more raw video things don't need to be you know i because i come from the video world like having you know maybe doing more filming on your phone and you're like walking around your home and those videos are doing really well on uh you know for different uh, advertising campaigns on youtube and instagram um whereas yeah they're kind of moving away from this very overly produced look and you're seeing that with uh, billboards even you know dove campaign out there is pretty popular in the marketing world and um yeah i think it's it's very and and we have a lot more tools at our disposal today than we did you know 10 years ago having access to all of these to be able to show that authenticity absolutely are, are there any kind of main good like uh, main platforms that you go to uh for your audience for your clients when getting their message or you know say they just did a rebrand or you ca you came in and helped them identify what are some of those platforms that you go to for distributing and just letting the world know like um marketing channels or how do i let people know about rebrands um uh i guess like just marketing channels or like so i guess for say you came in and you know you had a client and um you know they were like okay like you went did an analysis like hey maybe we need to change the name we need to like change the messaging or getting that story maybe just that's all you do is just help them uh identify their key story do you have them then go to maybe like email and message their clients go on linkedin and say hey we've really identified this story or um is that is there kind of a I guess it's case by case, probably how yeah. how you trickle that information out. Yeah. So a lot of times that's kind of the launch or the activation is usually up to, you know, the marketing team that I'm working with or the marketer at that company. Because um, what I usually do is once we get their messaging, we usually revamp the website um, and they kind of roll with, you know, they're like launching it. I mean, usually it's for like a new product launch or there's some kind of milestone in the, in the company where they're kind of going out with a big push around a new product or something anyway. And it kind of, kind of goes, um, hand in hand. That, with it, yeah. Yeah. It goes hand in hand. Yeah. So yeah, I'm trying to think, I don't actually, yeah, I've never actually had people kind of go out and just say like, yay, we rebranded. And that's probably because I don't do the graphic design aspect. Mm hmm. So back in the day when I worked in consumer branding, I would work in tandem with graphic designers and I would do the strategy and, and the copy if it was needed. And then they would do the new logo and, and the new look. And that's when you have a new look, then you're like, yeah, check out our new look. Our yeah. website. Cause it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's you know? flashy. It's, yeah. It's flashy. And you know, not to like that words aren't as exciting, but I think what I do is more strategic and it's like messaging. You could have the same website, the same look and feel, but you can adjust the messaging which would have a big impact in your business, but it doesn't have that like, wow, kind of factor always. So if I do the work and there hasn't been a big visual rebrand, it tends to just be like a, you know, a soft launch. Yeah. Soft <laughs> launch, but, you, but it's still nice to have because of the, the tonality reflects across all their materials. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You start to see their stuff, you know, their ads like on LinkedIn, um, you know, having that copy or on landing pages, you start to see it kind of going out in the world. And that's a good thing. Yeah, man. And then, uh, yeah, I can only imagine it just really helpful for these organizations that are, you know, they, I, I think as a, you know, especially in the, in the tech world, people are coming up with software all the time. So just having, um, something to fall back on, or like you said, even building it around specific products, getting that messaging right needs to be in alignment with everything. So like, do some clients just have you like, 
I don't know, every couple of years, will you come back and do a reassessment of how, how are they, you know, still maintaining that messaging across products or how does yeah, that relationship really kind of work? Point. Um, so especially in tech, so tech is different from other companies, as you said, because things are moving fast, especially startups, you know, things are changing. They're going after new audiences, you know, new releases, it, it constantly changes. So with my messaging, I often say like, you know, once we create the messaging, it's like run with this for at least six months, like commit to it, do it, see how it's landing and then assess, you know, just let's take a look at it in six months. I, I think, you know, every year, you know, you should be looking at your messaging if you're um, like a, a fast moving tech company, at least because things are always changing. And so I believe that your messaging is meant to just get you to that next stage. So, you know, we want to get here. So you do the messaging to get you there. Then you switch your messaging to get you the next spot. You kind of can't just go in and be like, here's the dream where we want to be <laughs> in like 20 years and put that up because it'll just land. It won't land on people. So I do see messaging as like an active driver to get you to that next stage, um, specifically where you're trying to go six months, 12 months, you know, down the road. Yeah. Um, well, I, I had a question for you. I mean, I can <laughs> obviously tell that you're like passionate about what you do, but what, uh, what's your favorite part about uh, the whole process or, you know, working with clients? Well, I, I love working with people. Um, so my approach is, very collaborative. Um, I do a research element, but then we bring it together in a collaborative workshop where we kind of go through a lot of the learnings, we thrash out ideas, and uh, we kind of co-create uh, so that, you know, because it's, it's their story and they should have ownership. So we work together and I really enjoy that. I love like getting in a room with passionate people I love learning about what people are doing. I, I'm in awe of my clients, like so the things they're bringing to the world, you know, the ideas they have. I just, it really fills me up. And I love helping them, you know, make it happen with, with language and, you know, through brand. So that's probably my favorite part. I love working with people and hearing about their ideas and being inspired. That's just what I love. So that would probably be the, the best thing. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And I'm sure your clients love the collaborative experience because yeah, it is their brand. I'm sure they want to have like kind of a say in it, but uh, it's nice having a professional like yourself that is able to see it from the outside perspective. Um, you have a strong you know, writing background or storytelling, you know, structure uh, mindset. So you're able to just provide that expertise for them. Yeah. Uh, and also I think the other thing that I really like that I don't talk about in my marketing, but it's always a part of it is there's an emotional aspect too, especially with early stage startups or smaller companies um, where when it's time to rebrand or look at your story, it can get emotional. Like there's sometimes there can be conflicting ideas on leadership um, that are like kind of uncomfortable. Maybe people have different ideas of where the company should be going. Um, some are kind of afraid to change, you know, from how things have always been done. And some of these things can get really awkward when you're just trying to figure it out amongst yourself in your own company. And um, so I can come in as a third party and have like frank and honest open conversations and facilitate those conversations so that everyone can kind of get on the same page. Sometimes it can get touchy. I have had people shed tears in workshops uh, because it is emotional when it's your business. And I recognize that. And I think it's nice to, to have someone who can also navigate that when it comes up. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's I mean, and it's it's day to day. It's their lives. It's what people are risking day to day. So yeah, I can see this as an emotional experience. And then which, what's great is you're able to bring that psycho- psychology background. It, did you study psychology in your undergrad or just always been passionate about it? I'm inter- yeah, I've always been interested in, in how people think and, and how their minds work and, you know, pers- you know, principles of persuasion. There's a book uh, that's really popular called Influence by oh, yeah. Robert. Robert Cialdini, oh, yeah. yeah. Great you book. Know, right, it's a great book. Things like that I find fascinating. So um, I'm not like an expert in psychology, but I can read people. I can empathize. Um, I'm interested in, in how people feel and react to things. So there is that sensitivity that I like to bring in to, you know, the strategy and also like copywriting principles. So it's, it is like a mix of all of those things together, I think are important, at least important to me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Having high EQ and being able to kind of yeah, read a room or read, um, you know, how a CEO is talking about his company. Uh, what parts is he most, he or she most passionate about. Um, and so yeah, I think that's a great intuition is, is key for that, for the role that you play. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. So I also do naming. Sometimes that becomes a part of, of, of branding. And I remember a while back, this is a few years ago, doing a naming workshop with a bunch of people in finance, financial services, or like a fintech company, finance. And it's, we were trying to come up with names for the company, like generating new ideas. And it's, you know, it, I have to do a certain um, opener where I say, okay, here's a piece of paper. Everyone who's been thinking of a name in the back of your head for a while, let's just get it on the page. Let's get, because everyone has this like, a little baby of an idea. They're like keeping like, like I've got a special idea. <laughs> I love this. I'm so tied to this idea and I'm going to bring it out in this workshop. You know, and they're thinking I'm going to bring it out and it's my baby. And I'm like, let's just get everyone. Let's get our shits that we have in our head that we're holding on to that we think is like this beautiful idea. And let's just get it out on the page so we can move on and explore other things because there's like, people can be very precious about their ideas or um, feel like someone's stealing their idea. There can be all these little things that are, that are going on. And I remember this, this one guy was holding on to this name, a strange name, you know, and he just kept coming back to it, you know, and it's like, Oh, we're just, you know, every, every idea is good. Let's just keep coming up with new ideas. And you can see him just kind of holding on to it. So being able to kind of give him space, acknowledge his ideas, invite him to consider other ones. It can be, it's interesting, right? You do have to kind of, you want to be sensitive to that, um, to how people are feeling. And because creativity, it's a different way, especially if some people aren't used to being in a creative frame of mind, right? It's, it can be a new territory. <laughs> yeah. I think the term in the creative world, uh, it's not a, uh, it's a kind of a morbid uh, phrase, but like killing, killing your babies is what I think one of the phrases kill, out there, kill your darlings, killing your darlings out there. Yeah. And so, and especially when it comes to an idea, cause you're like, yeah, like I love the visual. Cause like, yeah, it's my, it was my idea. I want this to like grow. And, <laughs> I want uh, this to grow. and, and so I, I it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause like, yeah, you have a tough job because you have all these people with ideas and lots of cooks in the, in the kitchen and yes. you're trying to get buy-in and consensus and, you know, leading the way with all of that especially as an as an external person coming in um so having to like kind of establish your authority and credibility right off the bat is like probably one of the biggest things you have to do 
Yeah, I love that you mentioned kill your baby or kill your darlings. So, oh, yeah, I like kill your darlings a little better. So kill your, da- kill your darlings is attributed to William Faulkner, like amazing author um, that he said. And it's something I reference all the time, especially in my own writing. If I, sometimes I'm writing something and I have like a clever line and I thought of this clever line. And then I, as I keep writing, the clever line just like isn't fitting. And I'm like, oh, let me make this line fit. This joke is so good. And I keep trying and it just doesn't work. And then it's like, I got to get rid of this line. I'm too obsessed with it. I'm, it's my baby, you know? You're, I'm blind to the greater good because I'm yeah. trying to make this work. And it's something I come back to a lot. And I think it probably applies, it could apply to, you know, strategy, other decisions we make. An idea, like you said, we become so in love with our idea that we're blind to kind of <laughs> what's going on with it. So kill your darlings is something I think I reference in my book. Yeah. Do you have any kind of tips for like detaching from an idea? And, you know, I've always, I've also heard the great quote that like, you know, good ideas are usually born out of bad ideas. So I'm, I'm with you. Like, you know, let's hear it, get it on the piece of paper. It might blossom into something else or we, you know, fuse two things together to make uh, you know, a good name or an idea work. But do you have any, you know, kind of tips there? So the thing that I've, I've actually been thinking about for myself is, um, and, and feeling out is, is about like inspiration and, and working when you're inspired. So there's a couple of schools of thought, you know, there's the one, so I, I started as a writer and, and, and writing fiction and, and things like that. And any writer will tell you, like, it's hard to be a writer. You know, discipline is really important. You got to sit your butt in the seat every day. You can't just wait for inspiration to strike. It's about discipline, discipline, showing up, showing up, which is true to an extent. And so in my own work, I will show up, show up, discipline, discipline, even if I don't feel like it. But sometimes it's just not working. You know, you're trying to, you're trying to like, you've got your darling on the page or you're, you're, you're overworking it. It's just not happening and it's frustrating, you know? And so in those moments, I've really come to this point where if my energy as as a person, if I'm not feeling um, inspired or energetic, or if I'm not in a good mood, basically, anything that I'm going to work on is going to be crap. I've realized that now. And so the most important thing for me to do is to kind of switch up my, if I need to go take a walk or go for a run, that's kind of my go-to. I need to shake it, shake out this kind of stagnant, creative stagnation. I need to go outside, get some fresh air, run. And it puts me in a better frame of mind. And then I can go back and then it's like, it's great what I just, you can almost see the way and it's easier and it's less painful. So while it may seem like, it's not as productive because instead of just sitting in the chair for two hours, you're getting up and you're going for like a 45 minute run. It actually is more productive because you're in a better frame of mind. The kind of ideas are sort of flowing more freely and you can get over that roadblock. So that has become my go-to if I'm ever feeling stuck or that I'm just torturing something, I'm torturing an idea on the page (laughs) and I'm going around old ground again and again, I leave and I come back. And I find that if you have a thought or a concept or a germ of an idea that is good, but it doesn't quite work in that situation, it will show up again in a way that makes sense. In fact, I did a webinar yesterday um, just talking about how to find the right messaging for your business. And one of my slides had a line that worked really well and it had been like a tortured line I had killed from a blog post like two months before. 
but it showed up and worked really well in this slide. Like the ideas stay in your head. Sometimes they're not ready to come out or they're not meant to come out in a certain format or content piece. They never kind of go away. They will come back in a different form that works better. So yeah, don't torture yourself. Go out, just kind of switch things up, get in a better headspace and then try again. And you'll probably get a better result. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And um, you kind of bring up some things that I've heard in the past too. Yeah, being, being yeah consistent, people are like, yeah, show up and you need to just push through that and ride anyway. But yeah, maybe your body is trying to tell you something. Like maybe you need to take a break and go on a walk and get your blood flowing and be out in nature. And then that's going to translate over. Um, because yeah, we are in this interesting time where you, I, I, I don't know, I see a lot of influencers out there of this like burnout culture of like, you keep go, 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 never take a, your foot off the pedal, but that doesn't work for everyone, especially in the creative world. You know, I'm in the same boat. There's days where, you know, I, I ideally I'd like to be editing video every single day, yeah. but sometimes that's just not the case because yeah, motivation or, you know, other things that happen in life that kind of get in the way of that. Yeah, well, I've been, this is something that I've been kind of learning about. So I have a business coach, I'm part of a business program. Um, that's really interesting because it's, it's teaches you all about like marketing and sales and all those things and business growth, but it also talks about mindset and how to master your mindset as an entrepreneur, because mindset is a thing. But one thing they talk about a lot is kind of like being balanced. And I don't think this culture of go, 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 go serves anyone. I think, yeah, it's something that's out there. People are, it's one of those things, like those ways of being, but I don't think it serves anyone. I mean, look at all the burnout stories that, that there are. And, you know, this program that I'm in talks about being balanced and that there, you need to be like half do, do, do action. Yes. You have to show up and take action. You also need time to just be you know, so it's actually like yin and yang. It's like, it, it goes back to like the yin and yang um, in Chinese, I don't know what, what that philosophy. Is. Yeah, it's been around. Yeah, yin yeah. and yang, right? That there's like the masculine energy and the feminine. So there's like the action, the doing, the get shit done. And then there's the feminine, which is sort of like being um, inspiration, kind of reflection. And I think that, especially in creative fields, you need both. You need to be like fed with inspiration, you need ideas. And then you need to act on them and then you need the ideas and you act on them. So I think if you can acknowledge like, Hey, it's okay to be balanced. And that in fact, that will make me more productive and have a, you know, a schedule of life that reflects that. I think that people will be more productive in the end and also happier, you know, not exhausted and frustrated, you know, and feeling like you're never doing enough. Yeah. Never getting caught up on things. Never. <laughs> Cause you never will. There's endless things. Yeah. A cactus knows how to survive. It can endure scorching heat, limited rainfall, and defends itself against critters daily. Your business is no different. To survive harsh conditions, it's important to develop deep roots using media content that'll continuously nourish and support your marketing efforts day after day. Cactus Media is here to help you determine a strategy and create media content. Together, Let's map out the next sequence of videos, podcasts, and social media to help your business thrive. Work with Tactus Media, media tactics that stick. Ouch! Visit tactusmedia.com to learn more. I know. Oh, yeah, especially I think a lot of the small business owners out there probably are feeling that, you know, where you are doing a lot of the tasks yourself because you just don't have the resources yet to, you know, 
outsourced to other folks too. So. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, that's um, yeah, I liked what you said. Yeah, you need to have equal amount of ideas to execution because either Definitely. either one of uh, e either one of those, you know, too much of either, you, yeah, you're really kind of lopsided, and and you're gonna feel it. Yeah, totally. Because I know I know those days. Even on my most productive days. I might hit a slump the next day. So it's like, okay, well, that was great that I was so productive, but then if it doesn't translate to the next day or like I don't have consistency or like, I don't know, across a long period of time, then what was it worth? You know, it's like, I think going to the gym and you haven't been for a while and you just, you're going to work out for three hours your first day, you know, back at the gym and uh, then you're sore for like the next week. So what, what was all that work for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, one thing that I've been loving, a tool that I've been using is um, Otter, otter.ai. It's like an Otter app. Oh. And it is a, um, it's one of these voice recorder transcription companies and they have a great app and then you can access it obviously on your desktop, but you can just speak into it and it just types it up and you can you know, email it to yourself. And it's a great way to capture ideas. Cause I used to do it on my voice recorder, but it would never transcribe and I would just never listen to it. And I would never really reference these voice recorders. But now if I'm out and about, say I'm on a run and I like get ideas for a couple posts for social media or like blogs, I just stop and I talk right into it. And I can quickly say, oh, it's gonna be about this. And I flesh out kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. And then I can just get that copy on the page. And I've got a great starting point when I am ready that has been really huge for me to capture that inspiration, make a start. And then you can reference it when it's time to put your butt in the seat and like do the action. Right. It's like, it's there. You've already done the inspiration part. Now you can just like, okay, do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to sit down in the seat, like, Oh, wait for inspiration, then write it. I mean, yeah. Okay. Especially if it might come in the shower while you're on a walk yes, or when you're yeah driving, when you're, you know, hands-free and you can't yep. be typing that stuff down. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Otter.ai. That's, that's great. Awesome. It reminds me it. of, uh, I think, I mean, this is way predates me, but like, what are they called? Diptophones where you like you right. talk into it. And yes, then it diptophones. Would, yeah. Yeah. I know those are pretty popular. Yeah, but that makes me I, think, Emma, like you say that you're a writer, but if your go-to is speaking, maybe, uh, you know, podcasting might be in your, in your future. You're well, already doing a great job on this one. <laughs> I really enjoy podcasts. That is on my list of is to be on more podcasts because I enjoy talking about it and it's easier than writing about it. It's a lot faster yeah. than writing, but it, it is, it's, it's, it takes a long time. So anyone out there who struggles with writing articles and social media posts, like I'm a professional writer who's been doing it for years and I struggle and it also takes me ages. So. <laughs> I know. Oh gosh. And writing is up there with, um, you know, one of those things where it's similar to any other creative outlet where like you could take a scientific approach to it where I say, Hey, I'm going to structure it out. I'm going to write line by line. That's how I'm going to do it but not everyone thinks that way. You know, I know for me, I get kind of bored working on one section. I'm like, oh, I want to jump to like this, this other section and, and work that one out and then like kind of jump around. I'm a little bit more scattered, but that works for me. Whereas everyone has like kind of their own style to it. Yeah, whatever works. If you can find what works for you, then just do it, you know, cause that's all that matters. <laughs> whatever yeah. works for you, you know, exactly doing it. <laughs> yeah, know, know yourself and know what works for you and, yes. and kind of lean into that. Exactly. So I was wondering what's, what's kind of one thing that businesses could do or like one action that they could take today that could help their uh, business. You know, maybe it's around their story uh, brand or getting them just thinking about the right things. 
Yeah. So one thing that's I think is really important is what a value proposition. So you may or not want to know what you know what your value proposition is, but it is a statement that says the value that you, you're going to promise to give a customer. It's kind of like who you are and what you do and why anyone should care in like a sentence or two. And a value proposition often shows up on the top of a homepage. So whenever you go to a website, especially if you look at tech websites or startups or any of these, it's like headline and the subhead at the top. And the purpose is for anyone new who comes to your site can go there and know exactly like what you're all about and what you do. A lot of times, um, websites waste that space um, and it's not clear. Maybe there's just like a cool sounding headline or you know, maybe it's like, welcome to our page, or I don't know, just like a random greeting at the top of the page. But you should always at the top of your page have a very clear statement that someone could come to it and just know like that, who you are and, and what you offer. It's um, the core of kind of what you do. And so tactically, make sure that that, that is happening on the top of your website. Uh, that's the, <laughs> the, the thing that I tell everyone. So that's one thing you can do. The other thing I would recommend that you do, and this isn't something that necessarily would show up in a certain channel or on a piece of marketing, but is to explore your story. So in the beginning, you, you introduced me about how I didn't start out in tech and consumer, blah, blah, blah. So that happened for me when I um, thought about my story. I actually was, I have a good friend who is um, head of sales, like in the tech world, very accomplished guy, you know, really, really good at selling. And he was interested in, in what I do. And he's like, Hey, why don't you pitch me sometime? Like, give me your pitch. And I was like, Oh God, this is terrifying. You know, I'm like, fine. So I set up a deck, get on a call with him and I give him my pitch and I explain all the things, my company, what makes you special, what we do. Da, 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 da. And at the end of it, he's like, pretty good. I was like, Oh, great. You know, he's like, no, you covered everything. You know, you talked about the problems. Like, yes, it's clear. You know, what you're doing blah, blah, blah. But why you, I, I, I still didn't know why you did. He said, and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, it's you. Like, why, why do you do this? Why do you feel this way? What happened? So he forced me to like, tell him my story. And so that's what I would tell you to do your listeners to do. What happened, what were the sequence of events that led to you being right here where you are today with this business where it's at? What unlikely chain of events happened? What different experiences did you have? What did you learn along the way? Why do you think like you think now? It's something you can kind of just talk through or maybe explain it to a friend. And at first, some of the things you might think they're irrelevant. It's like, well, that's not in the same industry or like that was totally random. How does that have anything to, I was a teacher. How does that have anything to do with this you know, product I have now? But they do, these things all build and it ends up with you, a unique point of view that no one else has because no one has had your experience. So I recommend kind of figuring out what is your origin story, if you will. What is that experience that happened and how does it shape your perspective now? And when you, when you kind of get that story down, you'll start thinking about it more and it'll start to naturally come out in your own marketing and the things that you say, conversations, blog posts, thought leadership, it'll start to come out. And that's what people want to hear. Because as Simon Sinek famously said, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So this is a great way to get 
to your why without sitting down and being like, what's my why? Which is impossible. <laughs> yeah, that's a really tough question. It's a tough question. It's a combination so, of so many different things. Yeah, so I would do that. Do that journey and uh, make sure that your headline, your homepage headline is, is solid and people know what the heck you're offering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting. Like, yeah, you, you talk about uniqueness. Uh, what makes you stand out? We're, we're trained, we're taught so much in school growing up that like you want to blend in you want to stay in with the crowd but in business you want to do the complete opposite you want to stand out from the rest and what makes you what defines you what makes you different is usually you your personality or you know your own you know approach to work and uh i think that's yeah. great that you kind of help people kind of hold the mirror up to who they are as an organization exactly yeah it's a pleasure doing that and uh, it's hard to see it in ourselves and it's very easy for someone else to kind of yes look and see how unique and awesome you are and how special this is and how great it is, you know, because we are our own, you know, best critics and, you know, or we're used to it. We're like, this is just me, you know, what's so interesting about me. And uh, so it is great to get a third party, just get someone else to mirror back to you and see you in a different way that you probably didn't, you know, don't see yourself or your business. Definitely. Well, we're almost kind of here at the, at the wrapping up at the end, but I have, uh, you know, I'm going to put you on the, on the hot seat for a second. Um, do you have any, and if you don't have any ideas, that's fine too, but just any future predictions for, you know, marketing or storytelling or the tech industry, um, where do you kind of see things going? Well, the thing that I'm seeing now and that I hope is a forever change, you talked about authenticity and realness. I know like in video, Absolutely. Like it's in social media, it's all about being real and being authentic. And, you know, there's almost like there's authentic with a capital A and like, there's people like there's fake authenticity out there, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's becoming like the new, um, polished things like polished authenticity. But I think that, um, you know, in the current world and even with like everyone working from home and kind of this veneer being stripped back and, and people just being more themselves and real, I think that brands are going to have to continue this trend of being authentic, being real, um, no fluff and like marketing bullshit. I don't think people are interested in that anymore. People see right through it. So I think it's really challenging um, brands to just like really bring themselves, stand for something good, do good in the world. Um, I think like, I think customers are gonna, we're gonna expect more. We continue to expect more from companies and brands. And so the ones who are more human, uh, have more authentic personality, who are upfront and transparent and honest with their customers are the ones who are gonna win. We already see that. But I think the current state is just going to make that even more so. So if that is an outcome from, you know, this pandemic situation, I hope that never changes. You know, I hope that trend continues to go. So, yeah, I think authenticity, realness, human and brands who are actually doing like good things in the world are going to win. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, we have, we live in the day of the educated buyer where people want to see a presence, you know, they want to see that your brand is on, uh, you know, different platforms that they're standing up for the right thing, standing up for the same core beliefs that you might have as a, as a consumer. Um, and so, yeah, it's really exciting. I think brands are starting to realize, you know, how much power they really do have on the impact that they have on the community, on their uh, consumers, just everything in general. So thinking holistically about, 
you know, how they're showing up in the world. I know we, I, on this podcast in the past, we've had people um, talking about the triple bottom line where people plan at profit and all these, these great innovations. And like you were mentioning, you know, COVID is putting us into a different spotlight where brands do have to, you know, be transparent and, and what, and, and what we're seeing with a lot of people is there or a lot of organizations is everyone's having to address COVID, what is your organization doing to address this problem? Uh, or not problem, but what are they doing to address this challenge in the world? And how are they showing up for that? Yeah, it's been interesting reading all the marketing and emails from brands and seeing what's happening on the social media. Um, one thing that's interesting is like, you know, all the masks, like companies making masks, and that's been like a big thing. It's been going on for weeks. And I'm working with a company who is sort of late to the game and I'm like doing masks. And their fear is even, you know, people sniffing, even that being inauthentic, mm. Prof, you know, profiting in some way or using it as a publicity or, or hoping to shed, you know, their brand in a positive light because of that's what you do right now. I mean, people are just so, you just can't bullshit people anymore. You know, you really can't. I think you have to come at things from a real, like good well-meaning place or else people sniff it out. They can tell that this is not, you know, meant just for the pure good. This is somehow meant for like, you know, PR or like, yeah, I, people <laughs> sniff it out and they will, you know, they will say something about it on social media, you know, they really yeah, will. Get a big backlash and that yes, has an effect, you know, and it does. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's a crazy time really. To <laughs> yeah. This has been an interesting kind of like challenge for a lot of organizations and like it shows like which organizations are nimble enough to handle, you know, market changes. Like, yeah, I think there are a couple of companies that like, within the first couple of weeks of all of this happening, switch their model and produce masks. And yeah, it, is it too late to still do something good and still have it seem like it's coming from the right place? Um, yeah, that comes down to the messaging. And is that yeah. story, is that story true? Right. Yes. Remains to be seen. I think their, their stuff goes live soon. So we'll see. <laughs> I know. Well, this has been awesome, Emma. And, you know, I think, you know, kind of our, two superpowers combined could really help an organization where, you know, you, you do a lot of that pre-work, figure out what, it, what they stand for and what their core values are. And then, you know, someone like myself coming in with video or some of those marketing tactics to be able to get that message out to the masses. So. Absolutely. Yes. That would be awesome. Um, <laughs> just, it's powerful stuff being able to tell a real story and then put it out in the world and all the different channels, like in a eye catching way, you know? Yeah, eye-catching, unique, and all that great mm -hmm. stuff that we've kind of been unpacking this entire episode. I think people are going to really enjoy uh, the tidbits here, and um, I would definitely urge people to go check out your website, which is, let's see, punchy.co? Punchy.co, yeah. Yeah, and that's P-U-N-C-H-Y dot C-O, and yeah, M-O O'Brien. Any uh, last tidbits you want to leave for the, I don't know why I keep saying tidbits, always this food, um, <laughs> but any last little things you'd like to say to uh, the audience before signing off here? Uh, you know, just, just be you. Um, just keep doing the great work you're doing, and just, yeah, keeping you, keep uh, hold of the vision that you have, Keep doing it with your own, you know, authentic, unique personality and uh, just keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep it, keep it going year round <laughs> all the time. So thank you, Emma. And uh, this has been a great episode. Until next time, uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Punchy.co, everyone check it out. Hire Emma to, to help you with your branding and messaging.
time. Uh, thank thank you. you, Ryan. Thank you. All right, that is a wrap. I will. That's a wrap. And.